Kentucky girl. So I want them to give us an update on what your prayers have done and what's been accomplished and how this precious little lady is doing and, and her status at this point. So, James, it's yours and Lori's. Oh, she wants me to go. Okay. In case I forget anything, she'll remind me. So, now we are just so grateful to the Lord uh, for he continues to, to, to take care of Brietta. And uh, I'm trying to think. I guess she's getting a little bit feistier because she pulled her air tube right out of her mouth the other morning. <laughs> so she's, she's getting stronger. So she's, she's actually moving around a lot more. And uh, she is... Uh, She's opening her eyes now. She hasn't been doing that much. And, and again, they say if, if the baby doesn't have a lot of energy, they're going to keep their eyes closed. So what Brietta is actually doing is she won't open her eyes for the nurses and the doctors and anything. But when Lori came in there, she's like, open her eyes for Lori, open her eyes, opening her eyes for, for me. So she's, she, she knows, she knows us and, and, and she's just getting stronger every day. Um, what we do ask for is continued prayers because the next thing will be that she will um, they will remove the tube this time, not on her desire, although I think she was thinking, okay, Lord, get this thing out of my mouth. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, yeah they, did, they did try for nine hours, and her lungs are still just a little bit um, not quite strong enough. Um, so we're just praying that the Lord will finish strengthening her lungs and that um, she will not need... They want to, of course, they want to give her some medication to strengthen everything. And, uh, and uh, so the doctor was saying, well... Do you want to do that? And we're like, she was like, well, no, we've talked about this. The Lord's going to do it. And, and I was getting there. <laughs> he gave you the punchline already, but you guys didn't hear it, so it'll come, come across okay. So um, the doctor was saying, okay, then we'll try it without the medication because, you know, we're standing on prayer. And uh, then he says, but if that doesn't work, what does that sound like? Um, then, then can we try it with the drugs? And Lori just looked at him and says, we serve a mighty God. <laughs> and he got a big smile on his face. So. Okay. Uh, she's 2.11. She's not gaining as much weight as they'd like her to. So they upped her feedings and they had to, well, they didn't have to, but they chose to fortify the milk. And, um, so they're just hoping that she'll gain an ounce a day. So that's what we want to pray for, that she'll gain an ounce a day. And the diuretics don't stop Oh, yes. We prayed that they would take her off the diuretics because there's all the medications have severe side effects. So we don't want her on any of them, but she's had to be on a few things. And uh, we prayed last week, and she was uh, getting them twice a day. And then the next day when I went in, the nurse said they changed it to once every 48 hours. And so now we're moving towards getting her off of them. So that was yeah. praise. Mm -hmm. Right, so I'm, yeah, it is answered prayer, and, and a lot of things they do, they they do it because it's not that the child absolutely needs it, and I think Brietta would be doing fine with a lot of things they don't do, but probably because this world is one where they sue hospitals and different things, they just automatically, well, we're going to give her this, we're going to give her that, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just fear. <laughs> yeah. um, and so a lot of these things, we're just praying, okay, God just. You know, make sure that Brietta's doing everything that she needs to, that they'll go, oh, wow. And they've done that. It's like, oh, wow, she doesn't need that anymore. You know, and we're going to take that off. So we're just praising him for that. You know, just he's continued to work a mighty work with her. And we just thank you and praise you for your prayers, continued prayers. And we just thank and praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. The nurses continually come in and say, we don't know what's going on here. And then they think for a minute, oh, yeah, we do. Because <laughs> we remind them. 
prayer <laughs> never fails. But one of her nurses who signed up as her baby buddy, so she gets her every time she works, is coming to visit us here. So, And she's bringing her son, so she knows something's different. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No. The word that's not here. Well, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Before I get into the message, I guess today, for number one, I, I want to pray for a little Brietta right now. Why don't we let's just do that? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, we want to praise you that you're our King, our Lord, and our God, and we're your children. And we know that you want to do good things for us, but you have limited yourself to our prayers of faith. So, Lord, you told us to pray. You told us to knock, you told us to seek, and you told us that these doors would be open to us if we knock, seek, and pray. So, Lord, we're knocking. You know, we're coming to the throne of grace in the third heaven. We're boldly coming up and jumping up in your lap and thanking you that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. That we've been washed in the blood. We've been made just as if we've never sinned. So when you look at us, you look at some clean, righteous, holy instruments because all of our sins are repented of. All of them, Lord. We repent of every sin, known and unknown, right now at this point. Lord, we might have done something we don't even know, but we repent. And, Lord, we want to walk holy in your presence. And so we come against the forces of darkness that causes these problems. Satan, I rebuke you and command you to get your hands off of the Cronin family, completely, totally, and off of this church, and off of everybody in this place, in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord... I ask you to move by the power of your spirit and touch that little Brietta and do a great and mighty work on her. Continue to do what you're doing and raise her up. And with faith, Lord, you said nothing is impossible. Well, Lord, we have faith and we believe in you. So we're thanking you in advance for the mighty work, the supernatural little girl that's going to be raised up there. She's not going to be a normal little girl. She's going to grow supernaturally. And be able to do things so supernatural that everybody will know that you did it. Amen. So, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for doing it for her and for James and Lori and the family. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the King. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Has anybody else got a great testimony you want to share with us today before we get started? Somebody got one? Well, boy, Pat, she jumped up right now. Whoa, I mean, I, we, I, she was spring-loaded waiting for this. Let's, let's see what we got here, Pat. Well, Thursday I was at my office, and I was sitting there talking to a friend of mine, and I heard this blood-curdling scream in the hallway and a crash. And I just jumped to the door. I ran out there, and a lady was laying on the floor, and her leg was all bent back like that. And people were around her, and I could already see the bruise. And I just ran out, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, I command that leg to be healed. And Jesus took all your pain so you don't have to bear it. Now get up and walk. <laughs> Woo! You talk about a violent woman. <laughs> A radical. <laughs> and I said, and in Jesus' name, that bruise will be gone by this time tomorrow. And so she got up. She went, praise God, I accept that, sister. And she got up and just walked off. Amen. It was so exciting. Amen. I couldn't have done that without this good teaching that praise I got God. Here. Thank so you, thank Jesus. Thank you. 
And then I had another one yesterday. I was talking to this friend in Michigan on the phone, and she said, well, she said, my husband's car is broken down and it won't start, and I'm waiting for him to get home. And I said, well, let's just pray right now. God can fix that. (laughs) And so I said, let's just pray. By the time we're finished talking, he'll be driving in. So she said, well, okay, the battery's dead, but okay, go ahead and pray. So we prayed. And within 10 minutes, he was driving in the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. The greatest praise report is some of the ladies in here and I have started a new business, and we're going to make so much money, we're going to be able to bless this ministry. And we are just so excited to be able to just do it. Huge tithe into this ministry with what we're doing. So we are excited. Amen. We've received that. Good. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, anybody else got a testimony? Oh, come on up here. Praise the Lord. Come up here and tell us what you got. Jesus is so wonderful. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Well, just come up here and tell us, young lady, what uh, I, Jesus I'm, did for I'm you. I'm new here. My name's Susan. But when I heard the testimony about the, the couple back there, Briata. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had to, I was just moved. I've got to get up there here and tell, tell you about this. I know right now she weighs 2 pounds, 11 ounces. Well, little boy back there, Sean's 10 years old, perfectly healthy. He was, when he was born at 26 weeks gestation, I skipped an entire trimester, and we don't know why. Um, he also suffered from pneumonia, had a grade 3 brain hemorrhage. We were told all sorts of terrible things, like he... He may not walk. He's going to be brain damaged, retarded, all these awful things. And I was pretty much a baby Christian at the time. And we were told, but I had to have this boy. It was the most important thing in my life. And I knew that all I could do for him and my powers was to have faith. And I'd recently heard a sermon on Mark 11, 23, 24, that if we believe and do not doubt, it will be done. And so from there on out, I, if that window came, and it did because those doctors are negative. Oh, he's going to have this. He's going to have that because he's got a grade 3 brain hemorrhage. Well, by the time we left the hospital, the nurses and doctors were amazed. They did a sonogram of his head, and it was completely, the, the hemorrhage was completely resolved. They were jumping up and down and clapping. He was in ICU for two weeks, but I my husband and I both, neither would accept in our mind that he was not going to be nothing but healthy and he's going to live and he's going to make it. And he's, instead of being having brain damage, he's actually pretty smart. So there's Sean, if, he, if you want to stand up. He is our miracle boy and he knows he's had a testimony from the start. Praise the Lord, Susan. A great testimony. Praise the King. We've got another one here. Praise the Lord. Just give God some oh, glory today. He's God awesome. Here. Today, um, on the last Sunday, um, I didn't realize that it happened. I was called on Monday. And, uh, well, my uh, cousin's daughter, she's two, she, was two year, she is two years old, she uh, drank some uh, pine soil. And uh, it, evidently it affected her immediately because she went into... Uh, I guess a coma and everything, and they put her on uh, life support. And uh, they called me on Monday, and they uh, told us what had happened and everything. 
and that they were not looking for her to live. And I says, well, I'm not going to accept that. I said, and you don't accept it either. I said, we serve a mighty God. I says, and we've got to realize we can go to him with everything, any and everything. And I says, right now, I says, let's go to him, and we'll go to him on certain scriptures. And I started the scriptures that we have been talking here, and one was the Matthew uh, 18, 19. And also, and I was just quoting out the scriptures to them. I says, and those are the ones we're going to stand on. And you speak those same scriptures, and you continue to speak those scriptures until we get results. And so I hung, we hung up, and I immediately went on a fast. And I uh, fasted for two days. And, of course, throughout that whole time, I was praying and, and you know, speaking those, uh, those uh, scriptures. And I uh, went to... Uh, the church that I, the other church that I go to besides this, and I go to a couple of, and uh, <laughs> it was the strangest thing, but I know it had to be God that night at Eagle Mountain Church on, T- on Wednesday night. Well, the whole night, as soon as we came in, first of all, I'd forgotten my Bible. I was like, okay, what's going on? But once I got in there, immediately the pastor just started. It was a totally different thing. We just praised and worshiped and talked in tongues for two solid hours. And during those two solid hours, there were, I went from groaning to feeling just really down to where finally it seemed like I just got a breakthrough of the power of God to where I just knew some things had happened in the spiritual realm. And the next day, they called me and they says, guess what? She is sitting up and she is eating. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Anybody else with those kind of testimonies who wants to quit? Wow. Anybody? Those are awesome ones. I mean, wow. Praise the Lord. Okay. Nobody else? Well, praise the King. We're going to talk about some wonderful things today. Number one, I want you to realize that the God we serve is an awesome God. And He's the one that does all of these things. You and I are not the ones. He says, without Him, we can do nothing. But with Him, nothing is impossible. So when you get to where you can depend, just like Susan and her husband and her precious little ten-year-old son back there, I don't care what happens. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what a child looks like when it's born or anything else. You don't never take nothing but good for an answer. Because the Lord says all good and perfect gifts come from Him. So if all good and perfect gifts come from the Lord, if the devil's trying to beat up on you some way, like he had several of you, I mean, just like the little child that drank the fine soil or whatever it was she said she drank and uh, the, the little boy back here, the Susan and her husband's son and all these others and like Pat, you know, all these mighty things, this is what God wants His children to be doing. This is what He wants us to be doing. He does not want us to be sitting in church saying, oh, I hope you will do something or I hope you show up. Well, but unfortunately that's where too many people that are in church or living. They're just not believing God's Word. And they don't read it. You know, just like this morning I shared with a airline pilot that flies 
uh, we met a couple, a young couple, and they had a new little four-month-old baby, and uh, I was talking to him, and he's an airline pilot. And, of course, I asked them, were they Christians? And they said they both were. And I asked them where they went to church, and they told us. And so then I began to talk to them about God's power. And they were both awestruck at just a couple of little miracles. And he said, no, these things are almost unbelievable. I said, you mean you don't see these kind of things and you go to church? He said, no. So Cheryl and this other girl were talking a little bit. And I told him, I said, you're an airline pilot, right? He said, yes. I said, I was an airline pilot once. And I said, if you flew your airplane like I did, you never went without your briefcase and your manual, did you? He said, no, no, you don't ever get on that airplane without that manual. I said, because at every airport, you have to have different numbers to fly, don't you? He said, well, of course. And I said, you don't have them hidden in your head, do you? He said, it's impossible to put all of them in your head. I said, so you take your manual with you, don't you? He said, yes. And I said, you use it, don't you? He said, at every airport. I said, okay, that's what's wrong with you. Why you don't see any miracles in God's Word is because you don't read the owner's manual. And since you don't read it, you don't know what it says. And so you're flying your life different than you are your airplane. I said, now you need to fly your life like you fly that airplane. If you fly your life like you fly that airplane... Then you'll read the owner's manual and you'll realize who you are and you'll do what it says. I said, I was a normal Southern Baptist deacon. And I never saw a miracle in my life. And then one day I decided to read the whole book. And when I read the whole book, I realized right there I am in serious trouble. If this book means what it says, I am in no wise close to doing what this book says. I'm not walking in the holy place. I'm supposed to be walking. I'm not doing a lot of things this book says I'm supposed to be doing. So I realized I either had one of two choices to make. I either close the book up and throw it in the trash and say, (laughs) I can't live that. So I'm going to do it my way. Or I can say, yes, this is God's word. And if I do it his way, then he will have to do what he says. And I'll get to see him do lots of miracles. So I decided I wanted to see him do things. So I decided to pay the price. I decided to walk holy before God and read his word and hide it in my heart. And I said, wow, since then I've seen him do some awesome, awesome, awesome things. And he's standing there awestruck. I said, if you think that little miracle is something I told you about, let me tell you about my granddaughter. And I told him about Kelly and Caitlin. And he said, sir, these things are almost to me unbelievable. You know why they're unbelievable? Because he's not been in the owner's manual. Now then, when you've been in the owner's manual for a little while, you're like Pat. I mean, you know, you got the word in your heart. Somebody falls out there, got a leg messed up or whatever. You run out there and take the name of Jesus and you do something in the name of Jesus and expect it to happen. And it happens. Because I want you to think about what the Lord has given us here. I taught on some of these things yesterday, but I went out and edited my outline seriously last night to talk about some other things, or this morning. But a couple of the same scriptures I want to talk about today. But I want you to start, I want to start in my Bible in Matthew 16, 19. 
Now, this is where I started with the healing school yesterday. But this is where I'm going to start today because this is so awesome when you get a hold of this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19. Now, I'm going to give you just a minute to get there because I want you to see it in your own Bible. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus made us a promise. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Well, people read that. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then look at the statement that he makes after that. Whatsoever you shall bind. What does that mean? Make happen. Knit together. That's what it means in the Greek. Whatever you bind or make happen or knit together on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose or destroy on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I want you to stop and meditate on that statement. I remember one time 20 years ago, I had a group of Baptist men out at my house for a a Tuesday night Bible study. And I read that scripture to about ten men. I said, now then, y'all tell me what that means. And do you know, not one single one of those men had any idea what that meant. Not one of them. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to have the keys of the kingdom? Well, guess what? If you don't know what they are, then you're not going to ever find any of them. And you definitely can't use a key that you don't even know is there. You don't know what that key is? Forget it. You're not going to see God do any miracles. You're not going to see Him do any healings. You've got to know what the keys to the kingdom are. He made you a statement. I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What kind of a limitation did the king give us his children? None. No limitations. All power has been given to you and me. We act on it in faith, and then he moves and makes it happen. When Pat went out there and acted in bold faith to pray over that woman, I'm guaranteed there was not one single thing in her that made that woman, not, nothing that she did herself with her own power could make that woman get healed. But what lived in her, the Spirit of the living God that lived in her and obviously lived in the other woman too, when Pat spoke by faith the Word of the living God, just like when you spoke by faith and called God into remembrance of His promises, He watches over His Word to perform His Word, doesn't He? You notice these girls use Scriptures. You notice she called right out Matthew eighteen nineteen, And Jesus said, Whatever two of us on earth agree on, whatever two of us on earth ask the Father for an agreement, it is done. It's done. What do you think that is? That's a key. That's one of the keys of the kingdom. When the Lord said, Behold, He gives me... In fact, let's, let me read this in Luke 12. I read this, and of course, Matthew 16, 19 is awesome. But I want to read it to you in Luke 12. Starting with verse 30. Luke twelve thirty. Turn over there. I want you to see this in your Bible. Maybe that way you can underline this or whatever so you'll have it. Luke twelve thirty. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 30. And all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now what does the average person do with their children? When they send them off to school every morning. I mean, they make sure they go to school. You go down there and you get an education. Unfortunately, the children in schools today don't come out very well educated as a rule. Our education system has really, really gone downhill. But we think we're doing them a great justice when we send them to school. We want them to be prosperous and successful. But the Word of God says, if you'll seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, then all these other things of the world will be added unto you. So what are we supposed to seek first? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because righteousness brings forth eternal life. Sin brings forth death. I read that a lot of times in the Scriptures, having no idea that it really meant what it said. But I have people come to the ministry center all the time. And I had a couple come the other day to the ministry center. They had really had a bad life. I have so many people come out there. This couple looked so old, wrinkled. I mean, really sick, really bad shape, both of them. Let me tell you where they had lived. Both of them had been married several times. Both of them had lived with people out of wedlock. Both of them had smoked extensively in their life. And both of them had drank excessively in life. And now they got excessive problems, physical problems. Yes, now they're serving God. They've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they're serving Him. But I thought to myself, I wonder how old this couple is. And I asked. And they were both in their 40s. Late 40s. Neither one of them were 50. And if you'd asked me, how old do you think he is? I'd have said, oh goodness, he's got to be at least 75. What about her? Oh, with the way she's wrinkled and the way she looks with all them wrinkles, good grief, she's got to be at least 75. At least. At least. Well, then you look at somebody that's 75 and you say, how old do you think that one is? Like I was down at uh, uh, a television studio here in the Dallas area here a few years ago. And there was a woman in there and I walked in and she'd been on a television show. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, is that a beautiful woman? I mean, she looked like a Barbie doll. She was so beautiful. I mean, she just, I thought this woman looks like a picture. She's so smooth and so pretty. So I got to talking to her after the show was over. And she was just a little petite thing. She was only about five foot tall. But I mean, she probably, maybe she weighed a hundred pounds. Beautiful woman. I mean, one of the most beautiful skinned women I ever saw in my life. 
I talked to her a little while and I said, ma'am, how'd you get into ministry? She began to tell me. And she said, well, I did this for 20 years here. Then I did this for 30 years over here. And I, I thought of me, I said, no. I said, ma'am, wait a minute. I said, would you mind? I said, some women don't like to tell their age. But would you mind telling me how old you are? She said, oh, no, Thurman, I don't mind telling you at all. She said, I'm 70. It's either 72 or 75. I said, wow. I said, boy, have you taken care of yourself? Well, she said, you know, yeah, I was married 50 years before my husband died. I thought, wow. So I t- I, she had some pictures there. And I said, you, would you mind if I have one of these pictures? She said, no, be happy for you to have one of my pictures. So I took it home. And at that time, Betty was still alive. And I said, honey, you've always been a very good judge of women. How old do you think that woman is? I said, I'm going to tell you before you guess, she's older than she looks. She looked at that picture and she said, older than she looks? I said, yeah. Forty-five. My wife said, forty-five. I said, no, 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 she's older than that. She said, well, she couldn't possibly be past fifty. I said, would you believe she's it's either seventy-two or seventy-five. When I told her that, she said, there is no way that woman... Is that old? Now then, guess what that woman had learned? When she was a very young woman, she met Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Her and her husband were ministers and worked in the church and was pastors. And she was even a deliverance ministry. And she had kept herself completely separated from the world. Completely separated from the world. Only thing she did was study God's Word and eat right and exercise right. And I'm going to tell you, this woman was the most awesome, beautiful woman you've ever seen in your life. And I thought, wow. How many women do I know that would kill? (laughs) Women of the world would kill to look like that at 75. Y'all know where I'm coming from? Everybody wants to be young. That's That's what we got all these makeups and all this stuff for. Every woman... You know, especially when they start getting a few years on them, the first thing they do, they don't want nobody to see them until they got their makeup on. You know, because they want to look beautiful. You know, they don't want to look their age. I don't care who they are. That's just the way women are. Not anything wrong with that. But think, if you didn't have to use that, if you could believe God, how would you like to be like that little woman? I I mean, I would love it. I would love it. So I, when I saw that years ago, I thought, if this woman has walked holy before God, and she's done everything God says, and she can still look like that in her 70s, then I want to obey and serve God so I can look like that when I get to my 70s or 80s. Now then, is God any respecter of persons? Absolutely not. What is it that brings forth death? Sin. Now... We're going to talk about some things today. The Lord has given us the keys to the kingdom. In verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, wait a minute. What did he give us, his little children? If he gives us the kingdom, then why in the world are we not finding the keys of the kingdom And maybe we don't even know what they are. 
Maybe you're like I was most of my life. I had no idea what the keys to the kingdom were. I had no idea that this book meant what it said. I had no idea that I could do what this book says. In fact, let me show you something. I'll go from my notes now. I'm going to go to a scripture. Since we've been talking about Johnny, and lots of people are wondering what the deal is with Johnny, I want to show you in Matthew chapter 10, I want to show you what the Lord told us to do here. Now, he is the one that does all these things. When he tells us to cast out devils, when we speak, he's the one that drives out the devil. It's not you and me that's doing it. So don't you ever think for a minute you are the power source that's causing this to happen. You're not the power source. He's the power source. And without the king, he clearly says in his word, without me, you can do nothing. But he says, with me, nothing is impossible. And so I love stepping over in that realm and quoting his word, don't you? I mean, when I step over in his word and quote his word, and he does those wonderful things, they call back a couple days later, this little girl sitting up eating, praise God. Now that little girl could have died without you, you know that? Without your prayers of faith, that little girl could have died. There's a lot, just like Susan back there and her husband, without their prayers of faith for that boy, that boy could have not been normal today. He might have died. You know. But when the devil, when you get a hold of this, that the devil is out there and he's the problem. He's the problem. And he's the one we have to kick out. But look what the Lord says here in Matthew 10, 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave them power to do this. How much power did he give them? All power. Okay, let's go up to verse 7. Let's skip from there to verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to stop and think about that just for a minute. We read this book, but we don't take these words literally. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does he mean by that? I want you to just think about that for a second. Then we're going to come back and talk about these things in a minute. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then look what he says in verse 8. Heal the sick. Oh, I mo- that must be a misquote. He must have meant go down to the doctor and call the doctor to heal the sick. Who did he tell to heal the sick? He told us to heal the sick. Now, if we go out and do what he says to get the sick healed, who is it that heals them? It's the Father in, in the name of Jesus that does it. The Holy Spirit's there doing it. And without Him, you can do nothing. But if you're walking in obedience to the Word, you can pray a prayer of faith over a woman that's had a tumor for years and it go away. Woo! You can say amen on that, can't you, girl? Woo! Glory to God. The, that's the, now, the kings of the kingdom. I believe whenever Ernest and his lovely bride came over here, Esther... I believe now she said she had had that tumor. How long? Fifteen years she'd had that tumor. And she'd been hurting. Ernest had been serving God. Going to church and everything. But she came over here 
And we prayed the prayer of faith for her after we got her to repent of her sins. See, now that's the one thing that most people don't do today. I tell you, you got a sin somewhere that brought this thing upon you. Amen. And she looked back at her life, checked it out. She said, I have got some sins. I need to get rid of them. And so she repented of her sins, got right before God. We prayed the prayer of faith over her. And just a matter of a few days, that tumor that she had had for 15 years was gone. Amen. Gone. Praise God. Amen. So when I say we can pray the prayer of faith, when she did what God says... And we did what God says. God did what He said He'd do. And He took her tumor off 15 years. And so when I make a statement like that, it's real easy for her to say, Praise God! You know, it's real easy to throw your hand up, isn't it? You know, when you've had one of them tumors for 15 years and you get right with God and start believing Him, and we pray the prayer of faith, although we just did what the king said, the king did what he said he'd do, and he took that thing off. So see, again, these are some of the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the kingdom. I mean, you've got you to get over this mentality, I'm a human being. You've got to get rid of that. You can't think like I'm a child, I'm a human anymore. Stop believing you're a human. Start seeing yourself as a child of the king. Amen. A child of the king. And then he's given us the kingdom, and we ought to be walking in kingdom power. And just like Pat, she knows she's a daughter of the king. She knows the, the keys of the kingdom. And when that lady got hurt out in front of her office, she goes running out there and she's quoting the words of the kingdom. Somebody says, that, that's awesome. Well, it is. But that's where we're all supposed to live. Amen. I mean, I got to take a while ago. Bob was telling me right up here. He said, you know, since I've learned these things, every time something happens to Ruthie, I just come over and I pray over her and she instantly gets her answer right there. Yeah. I said, well, that's the way it should be. Praise God. Your priest ought to pray over his wife. And, everything. and then he said there was another woman. He said there was another woman come over. She had big blotches all over her. And she'd been to the doctor and everything else. And so he said, well, have you prayed about this? Well, of course not. We don't, you know, we don't pray about things no more, do we? He said, well, I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you and Jesus is going to heal you. He prayed the prayer of faith for the lady, whether it was a friend, a neighbor, or whoever it was. And the next day, she'd come running back and said, Bob, look at this. They're all gone. Well, I mean, Bob didn't jump up and say, well, I, isn't that amazing? He said, that's what I expected. Mm-hmm. See, that's when you pray. That's the keys of the kingdom. You act in faith and do things. But look what the Lord told us to do. The kingdom of heaven is hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Now, does it take a little more faith if a leper walks in and he's all tore up and his hands are partly missing? Does it take a little more faith to lay hands on him and say, be healed in the name of Jesus? You know why it takes more faith? Because we think we're doing it. We're seeing us die. Get rid of you. I mean, I remember the time I walked in down there when the vice president of Southwest Airlines, his body was laying there on that bed and he was swelled and they had everything in the world plugged into him. And I walked in there and I looked at that body. And I, when I first looked up there and the doctors was telling his wife, Judy, said, we're sorry, but everything in his body has now failed. His kidneys are failing, but we'll try to keep him comfortable until they fail. And you know, I first saw myself as a human being and I thought, oh God, what am I doing in this place? And I started backing up. And then the Holy Spirit kicked me in the rear and said, you're not down here on your own. He said, you get over there, I'm the one that's going to do it, not you. I said, okay, Lord, we can do this now. Now I realize it ain't me. Now then, I don't know nothing about that body laying back. All you told me to do is get them to repent of their sins. 
So I got his wife over and I said, when's the last time you repented of your sins? She said, I don't know. I said, well, it's about time you repented. Amen. Well, of what? I said, you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Oh, she said, me and him both done that many times. I said, well, that's sin. I said, you need to repent of that and anything else you can think of. So she repented for all the sins she could think of, which wasn't many. I'm sure it didn't get them all by a long shot. But she got some of them. Is God merciful? Oh, it's a good thing He is, because if He wasn't, I know one room full of people that wouldn't be here today. If He wasn't merciful, He'd have swatted us up with a fly swatter and killed us every one a long time ago. I guarantee you. But thank goodness He's merciful. Oh, I'm so grateful. He's merciful. I'm so grateful. I'm like Cheryl. I love that scripture. When he says, I put your sins as far as the east is and west, never to remember them again. Ooh, thank you, Lord. That when I come into the throne, I ain't going to have to. Oh, you did this and this and this and this and this. Oh, no, Lord. I've repented of everything. I come in. He says, let me pull out your slate. And he pulls it out and says, woo, clean, washed in the blood. Just as if you'd never sinned. Come on in, son. Oh, 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 thank you, Jesus. I can praise you for that, can't you? Oh, I can praise him for that. Oh, but I think about that man laying there when I realized it wasn't me. It was Jesus. And when he got his, they got their sins repented, I walked over and laid my hands on that big old arm. It was swelled up. And I quoted one of the keys of the kingdom. Mark chapter 16, verse 18 and 17 and 18, where Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's a key. And that's a wonderful key. When you got that key, you can hang that key on a nail. And every time you need it, you run get it. But make sure that nail's inside your head. Make sure you don't have to go get it off the wall. You've got to have it here and here. And so I walked up to that man that day and laid my hands on that arm. And he's comatose. And he's just been told by a doctor that he's not going to make it. Or his wife's been told that. He ain't been told nothing. He's out. I lay my hands on that arm and I say, I know you can't hear me, but I know your spirit can. And I know them demons of hell that are killing you can hear me. I said, in the name of Jesus, according to the Word of God, you devils of hell, I command you to come out of him and go to the pit of hell and never come back to him. I said, now, Lord, heal him. You promised it. I stood up to that woman, looked her right now, and I said, I guarantee your husband's going to get well because Jesus made you the promise. I ain't never seen that woman before in my life till that day, or that man either one. Boy, you must think you're crazy if you can guarantee God's Word. But let me tell you, if He says, i got to believe that Word with no doubt in my heart, if I don't guarantee it, that means I didn't believe it. Amen. I guaranteed her that her husband would fully recover. And three weeks later, he was out of that hospital, and he, that man fully recovered from a stroke. And six months later, I had dinner with him on Sunday afternoon. And when I had dinner with him and her, he did not know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I had the privilege that day to lead that man into the kingdom and get him saved. If he had died on that bed, he would have been burning in hell. Isn't that a shame? It was no problem to lead him into the kingdom once I got him saved. Once I got him healed. I mean, when I'm sitting there at dinner, this man had been told by his wife, the doctor said, you weren't going to make it. And this guy came in and did what he did, and you got well. Well, he wanted to have dinner with this guy. And so when I come in, I said, 
Do you know the Jesus that I used to get you healed? He said, no, I've been raised a Catholic all my life and I really don't know what you're talking about. I told his wife, I said, you go over and get your Methodist Bible and bring it over and open it to Romans chapter 10, verse 8, 9, and 10. And I'm going to see if either one of you have ever done that. Well, she had and he had not. And I led him into the kingdom and he got saved that day. And as he and I were walking around outside the house after that, fully recovered from a stroke, praising God for what he could do, after six months before laying on his deathbed, and he ain't going to make it. Let me tell you, if I hadn't taken the keys of the kingdom that had been given to me and acted on those keys in faith, that man would have been dead and burning in hell, and the devil would have won another one. When God gave you and me the keys of the kingdom, and we ought to be, as a church, we ought to be out there acting on these things just like Pat, just like this lovely lady... Just like Susan back there, we ought to be taking the keys of the kingdom and we ought to be using these keys to bring glory and honor to the king. Amen. And then after you said your son can't live, ten years later, she can come up here in front of a church with a bunch of people and say, here's the living proof that the Word of God works. Amen. Ten years later, I got a beautiful, we got a beautiful, healthy son. And he stood up back there a while ago and he looked like a mighty handsome young man to me. Amen. I didn't see nothing wrong with him. Well, here's the thing. These keys, well, these keys we've got in Jesus, it gives him great pleasure to give us, his children, the keys. We don't have to go up and say, oh, God, please, would you give me a key? He said, no. When my son died on the cross, he came from earth to heaven, and he took his key in the safety deposit box, and he put it in and turned his. And he said, now, Dad. I've done my part and I've told my church it's finished. All they got to do is find the keys that I've left them in my word. And when they bring their key and put it in their side of the safety deposit box, I've already turned mine and said all my answers are yes. I never say no. Amen. I've already put my key in and turned it. They're not going to have to wait for me to turn it. It's already there and turned. I said it's finished and I made them a promise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, I said, no matter how many promises I made you, if you're in me, in Christ, the answer to every one of them promises for you is yes every time. Yes. Never no. But you've got to believe that. Amen. And if you don't believe that, that devil will still take you out prematurely. You've got to believe the Word. Amen. So he believed it. Or she believed it, and I believed it. And I'm going to tell you, it was my faith that day with the keys that God had given me that I'd learned in this kingdom. That's the reason the vice president, that used to be the vice president of Southwest Airlines, is alive and well today. That man would have been dead and in hell without a man that knew the keys to the kingdom. Isn't it amazing? But yeah, all this stuff's in the book, Ernest. It's right here. Right here. He's given us... And then he says, after he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, then the next one takes a little more faith. That's a simple one, isn't it, Rosemary? Oh, just a simple little thing. Raise the dead. Well, now, when you try to think that you're going to do this, it's impossible. But when you're Jesus... When you realize it's the same Jesus that heals the sick, that cleanses the leper, and raises the dead, it's no more difficult for Jesus to raise the dead than it is for Him to heal the sick. So see, over all these years, I have thought, as I've studied and learned and read the Word, I thought, Lord, 
You told me to go heal the sick. So I go and place my hands on the sick. And in little bit of faith I had, at first it didn't work too well. It worked sometimes and sometimes it didn't work. Hmm, I thought this is strange. But I learned as the, my knowledge of the Word increased, my faith increased, Amen. and as I learned, now I've got to walk in love. Because my faith works according to my love. Yes. Now, if I don't walk in love, nothing works. You can't heal the sick. You can't cleanse the lepers. You can't raise the dead. You can't get a prayer answered. I don't care what it is. So you had a knockdown drag out with your wife this morning. I mean, you just had a, you something went wrong at your house, and you read your wife of ten, five, ten, twenty, thirty years, or sixty days, or whatever the riot act. I mean, you really treated her like a dog, and now you're going to come to church, and you hadn't repented. And on the way to church, you two are fighting, backbiting, snapping at each other and everything else. And you want to know why God don't answer your prayer. He said in His Word, Husbands, love your wives. Did did He say love her when she's lovable? No. He said love her all the time. How How many of you guys been married to a woman from the time she was young that for the average woman... There seems to be some kind of a little period of time in there that one day you can come home and, man, everything's perfect. I mean, you know, she's got a a rose in her mouth, it appears. And she's the most lovable thing and she's the most lovely thing. And you want to kiss her and she's lovable to you. And, oh, she's so sweet. And you think, woo, I'm going to take off work early tomorrow and then come back home for another shot of that. She was so lovable and kind. And you walk in the door that next and say, hi, honey. And she says, what do you mean coming home early? <laughs> Woo! What do you mean not at work today? You say, golly, this is the same woman I come home to yesterday? How many of you all know there's things that goes on inside of a woman's body that sometimes make them where they're not the easiest thing to get along with? You know, when that happens, what God tells you to do to that woman? Love her. Still be kind and loving to her. You may have to grab her. You may have to hold her as she's fighting and struggling. And you say, I'm going to give you a kiss. She said, no, you're not going to kiss me. You're not going to touch me. You may have to just hold her and just convince her that you're going to love her. Sometimes they get like that, guys. I I ain't going to ask you all to hold up your hand. But some of you all probably had one that's been like that at times. You know, it's unfortunate that that's the way people are. And there may be times when you're that same way. Maybe times when you guys, you knew you had a bad day at work today. I mean, everything in the world went wrong. Nothing you did went wrong. Your boss was on your case. When you left work, you were mad at the world. You couldn't get the tractor fixed. Uh, huh? And you couldn't get the tractor fixed. Or you couldn't get the tractor fixed. Cheryl called me the other afternoon. Hi, honey, how you doing? I said, well, I am not doing very well. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I've worked on this control valve on this tractor, and I cannot make the power steering work on this thing. I said, I am mad at me and the devil and everything else around out here. I said, in fact, why don't you just hang up and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> no, I didn't go that far. I was just kidding. But she knew that's the way I felt. I mean, I was mad at that. Tell me you guys ever had a day like that in your life. Some of you guys had a day like that in your life. I guarantee I've had a day like that. 
But you know what I had to do after I thought about that a few minutes? I thought, you know, I'm not going to get this thing fixed today. I'm just going to do something else. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go home. I'm going to forget this. And I know the Lord's going to give me knowledge and wisdom to do this at a later time. So the other afternoon, I went back over there and I looked at the tractor a few minutes. And I thought, you know, Lord, it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not going to tackle this. I've spent so many hours on this. And I'm not any further along now than I was when I started. It's still broke. You know, and I probably spent 15, 20 hours working on that thing, and it's still not fixed. And I spent a few dollars, a few hundred dollars for parts, and it still ain't fixed. So I said, you know, I'm not even going to work on that thing today. I'm going to put, I'm going to put some purlins up on the top of this building. I know I can line them up and weld them. At least when I go home at dark tonight, I can look back and say, I accomplished something today. <laughs> and that way, when I went home, I was happy. Gerald said, what have you been doing? I said, I've been working on the barn. I said, I've been welding up stuff, and 8 o'clock, and of course, I come in, she had been out shopping with the Yesha, they hadn't been out shopping. I told Dave, I said, Dave, he, I come in, I said, well, where's the girls? About 8 o'clock, he said, them girls are still shopping. I said, uh-oh, Dave, uh-oh. I said, Dave, they're having a ball. Don't you dare go there. I said, the Lord told you to love that woman. You know you want your prayers answered. <laughs> I said, you know you got to love that girl. You, I mean, these girls, when they get out and get to shopping, they forget everything, the time, everything. So I said, you love them. Or well, they ain't come home to fix us no dinner. I said, Dave, we ain't going to starve. You know, we ain't going to starve. I said, if you're going to starve to death, I'll fix you something to eat. <laughs> uh, but I told him, I said, Dave, don't go there. you got to realize, you're a young man. You've been married long. I was married a long time. I said, I know how women love to go shopping. I mean, you know, I don't never take my wife when I go shopping. I know what I want. I know where it's at. I don't go buy it. Because if I take her, you know what happens? She said, I said, I know, there's a shirt right here. I need a shirt. It's down at this store. And I went in there and looked, and it's on sale today, and that's the one I want. We're going to, she looked at it, she said, that's not the one you want. I don't like that. That's not the way you want. Let's leave that, and let's go look at some more racks. So four hours later, after we've tried on 300 shirts... She said, you know, I think the one we looked at first is the one you ought to buy. And we go back over there. She said, yep, I've changed my mind. That's the one you needed to buy. Now, I don't know you guys. That's why I don't go shopping with my wife. But I love for her to go shopping by herself because she has a ball when she goes shopping. No, not by herself when she takes a woman like Ayesha. Two women that love to shop, they had a ball the other afternoon. I mean, when they came in, they were so happy with all these new things. I told Dave, I said, when they come in, whatever you do, say, isn't that wonderful? I love that. You, you've done beautiful. And look at the money you saved me. Praise God. You look wonderful. And then when you get up this morning, we're driving down the road a while ago. I looked over at her about twice. I didn't say nothing. She said, thank you, honey. I said, you knew I was fixed to say you're beautiful, didn't you? She said, I knew that, yeah. See, she, I looked at her twice with that new outfit on. And I'm looking that up and down, and I started to say, Woo, you look beautiful. She said, Thank you, before I even said it. You think she wasn't watching me out of the corner of her eye? Of course she was. Do, you, do I know what makes these girls happy? Yes. Tell them they're beautiful. Absolutely. Right now? Yeah. Okay. Okay, right now, my honey buddy's got a testimony. <laughs> something, something just struck her. She's got to tell you something. Let's see what she says here. <laughs> yeah, this. There it is. Okay. About praying about things and about husbands love your wives. Okay. Last night I'm looking for a skirt. I can't find it. It's a black 
velvet looking cut little skirt and I'm, I, I'm, I've go through my closet four times. He's laying in bed and I'm fussing about it that I want to wear this skirt, you know. And I'm looking through there and he says, well, let's pray about it. And he prays and I go, okay, I'm in agreement. I said, but I still can't find this skirt. So I go back in to brush my teeth and I'm standing there. I said, you know, I get in bed and I said, you know, I think it may be in our hanging bag when we just got back from a trip. It must have dropped from GLC. Maybe it dropped in the bottom of the hanging bag. So I get up out of bed, go into the other bedroom. Well, he's already, they had been sitting there, the, the, the suitcases and the hanging bag. But he, I apparently that day must have taken them up the attic stairs and now they're up in the attic. <laughs> I'm going, oh, okay. So I get back in bed and I said, well, you put all that stuff up, didn't you? He says, well, I'll get up and go do it for you and look in the hanging bag. I said, you do that for me. Now we're in the dark. <laughs> he says, yeah, I'll do it. He went up there, and guess what was in the hanging bag? My skirt. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and before I come to bed grumbling, and then now I'm coming back singing, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, see, guys, this is what it is to love your wife. You know, she says, you know, it might have fell in the bottom of that hanging bag. And since it's already upstairs, I could have said, well, good grief, I'm not going up there at this time of night. I've already been in bed for 30 minutes. If you want it, go get it yourself. No, 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 that don't make things too good at your house. That's not husbands loving your wives. So she said, you mean you would get up and go up in the attic right now and find, look as if I left that up? Sure, honey, for you, I'll do anything. Wow, that just moved her heart. So I go up in the attic, I get out the folding bag, I unfold it, and I unzip it, and down at the bottom, there's that black skirt all folded up in there. So I come down, and she's waiting at the bottom of the stairs. She said, was it up there? I said, it was up there. I handed it to her. Well, that made her whole day. Now see, when Jesus said, husbands, love your wives, that's what he meant, isn't it? Love your wife. Now then, you know why I love my wife? Because the king says, if I want my prayers answered, i got to love her. Amen. So let me tell you, I like to get my prayers answered. So it don't matter what it is I need to do to get them prayers answered. I want to do it. Amen. But that's only one of the requirements is love your wife. That's not all of them. That's only one. Amen. So you can open that switch lots of ways. Husbands, love your wives. So if you want to see the sick healed, you want to see... The lepers cleansed? You want to see the dead raised? You know what most people say when you say raise the dead? They automatically turn off. I mean, what kind of a cult are y'all over there praying over him all night long? When he died, why didn't you call 911? Well, we're praying over him and expecting God to raise him from the dead. What kind of a cult did you say y'all were hooked up with? Didn't yeah, what sect are you? Isn't that amazing? You know, the church ought to be believing the Word. You know that? The Word says we're supposed to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give it away. But see, when you walk in there to raise the dead, or to cleanse the lepers, or to heal the sick, or to cast out a devil, you got to die. If you're not dead, it ain't going to happen. When you think, I'm going to do this. Ah, boy, let me at that guy. I can do this in the name of Jesus. I can do it. Forget it. You can't do it because without the king, you can do nothing. Do you know it's just as easy for Jesus 
to heal the sick as it is to raise the dead? It's no problem for Jesus. No problem whatsoever for Him to do these things. Now then, I want to go back to my outline for a couple of minutes here. I've got a few things I want to talk about here. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 and I want to show you another one of the keys of the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 1. He has given us the keys to the kingdom. To His children. It's ours, Wendy. We don't have to pray for it. When we got saved, He gave it to us. Isn't that awesome? Wow. The keys are here. They're ours. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 3 says. And of course, as I see this, I see Paul standing on the hills of Ephesus with both hands raised saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't see him just sitting down writing this down. I mean, when you get a hold of this, you can't sit down and say this. He's saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Meditate on that a minute. How many of the keys to the kingdom did He give you right there? How many? All of them. So He didn't just say, I'm going to hold them back and give you just one at a time, did He? When you become a born-again Christian, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing or every gift of the Spirit and every key of the kingdom. When you got saved, they all became yours. And how many people like me that go through their life never knowing that you have not one single key to the kingdom? You know what the biggest main key to the kingdom is? The very first one that is the, the you know, you've seen these deals where they meet someone and say, we're going to give you the key to the city. You know, and they give a guy a big old giant a cardboard key or something or whatever. One of these big monsters. You know what that key to get into the kingdom is? That key is love. Amen. That is the major key that gets you into the gateway to heaven where all the other keys are. Now, if you're not willing to walk in love and you don't get to that first door, you're dead in the water. Nothing's going to work for you. Because he says, all these things work by love. Man. Was our God love? He was love when He rose Mary. If He's love and He told us to be just like Him, then if we don't be like Him, then we're not going to get nothing, are we? It's a choice, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I want to strive to become that God kind of love. In fact, the other afternoon when we went over to a man's house and we prayed for him, the next day when this man called, he said, I never felt the kind of love I felt with y'all in that room. That was the guy where we met that day. We all laid hands on him. He said, I never felt such love in my life. But he got healed too. Eyes that couldn't see. Legs that couldn't walk. Before we left, he was seeing and walking. And the next day he was even more hysterical when he called Rosemary. 
Monday morning. Praise the King. The keys of the kingdom. We've been given the keys of the kingdom. It's time we start using them. Now I want to think about this. It's given us all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. See, there's that word love again. When you read the Word of God, you've got to read it every word. You can't leave out nothing. You can't read it like a novel. You've got to read it slow. Because if you're not willing to walk in that love, what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. But if you're willing to walk in love, then all these keys belong to you. Now then, I want us to go to another place in the Word. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1. If there be... Therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one man. Now, if we can walk in this God kind of love and we can all... In this little group of people that meet here, we can be in one accord, be walking together. What is it that we can accomplish as a body of believers walking in love and in one accord? What could we get done? (laughs) There would be nothing impossible with us. Absolutely nothing impossible with us. Because the Lord says, verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now, if you've got strife or vainglory in the church, you've got a problem. Amen. Ain't nothing going to happen with those people that's walking in strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Amen. That old boy. You that old boy. You think I'm going to? You think I'm going to bow down to that old boy? <laughs> oh, is that the way you're going to be? Or? Like that woman I told one time, I said, man, she was reading her husband the riot act. And I knew her husband was a deacon. I said, ma'am, you're not doing what God says. What do you mean? I said, you're being extremely mean to your husband. And the Word of God says you're supposed to submit to him. And you're supposed to even call him Lord. She looked at me and she said, if you think I'm going to call him Lord, you got another thing coming. I said, ma'am, you better take this up with God. Because I'm going to guarantee you walking where you're walking, not only is your husband not going to love you like you're supposed to be loved, but I'm going to guarantee you God's not going to do anything for you as long as you're a disobedient woman. I said, you're either going to submit to him or he's going to turn a demon loose on you. 
And, of course, people in the Baptist church don't believe they can have a demon. So when all these bad things begin to happen, they don't realize it's demons. Everything in my life went wrong today. Thurman, it was your fault. You said that the Lord had turned a demon loose on me, and today I woke up, everything in my life went bad today. It's like I had a demon in my house today. I said, have you repented, ask God to forgive you, and start calling your husband Lord yet? No! I said, well, then when are you going to get tired of the demon? You see where I'm coming from? Somebody say, God wouldn't turn a demon loose on me. Oh, yes, He will. Oh, yes, He will. All you need to do is just get out of that love walk and you automatically step from His little thin, narrow walk over into that world of hate where the devil is. And I'm telling them demons are going to be snapping and biting and cracking at you. Now then, does it pay a whole lot better dividends to love your husbands? Submit yourself to your husband and be kind and gentle to him? Oh, yeah. Pays really good dividends. Then whenever, if you are an obedient wife and you're submitted to your husband, even on the days he's not easy to get along with, don't retaliate. You know, this works both ways. Try both of them. It's okay if one of you have a bad day once in a while, but don't let both of you have a bad day at the same day. That's when all heck breaks loose in your home. I should say all hell breaks loose in your home because that's what it is. It's from the devil. It's absolute hell can break loose in a Christian home when both of you get over into the devil's world at the same time. And that should never happen to us. But unfortunately, it happens. You know, it happens because we don't stay dead. We come back and make human beings out of ourselves. Now then, when the Lord says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, Philippians 2, 3 But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. Now, it didn't say you have it right here. He said, let it be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that mind that we're talking about up there, that is the mind of Christ. And if you're walking in those things, then you have the mind of Christ. But you don't have to have it. Some people will say, boy, if I ever saw a guy that didn't have the mind of Christ, it's that guy. Everything he says is mean and wicked. Well, that ain't the mind of Christ. You're not walking in love. Then he says here, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of his servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, wait a minute. Stop and think about that just a second. What do you mean he became obedient unto death? He's a man. Don't you know he's going to die anyway? No. He walked in love. He walked without sin. Was he going to die? With no sin, is he going to die? No. Jesus could have lived forever as a man on this earth and never died because he never sinned. What does the Word of God say? Sin brings forth... Do we not believe that? If we really believe sin brings forth death, then why do we as Christians go out and keep on sinning? If every time you sin, you open the door to a demonic spirit to age you, to kill you, 
if you walk in God's divine love, he says right here, Jesus, being fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Obedient unto death. He says, no man can take my life from me. I give it. Did he not say that? Even the death of the cross. Now, I might be able to yield to death, but to yield to the death on the cross is something else. He bore a tremendous burden for you and me on that cross. I think about Tim. When he was a little bitty guy, probably four years old, he had already made Jesus a Savior. One day I'm out there in the shop and I'm building some stuff and i got a bunch of little scrap boards left over. He come out there messing around. He said, Daddy, can I have some of these scrap boards? I said, yeah, sure, son. So he took them out there. He said, Daddy, can I have a hammer and a nail? I said, okay, just don't put them out there in the driveway. You know, I said, make sure you're right here beside the shop. So he's out there, and I went out there in a minute, and he's nailing little crosses together. Little ones. I thought, how unique. He's nailing crosses together. And in a few minutes, he come in there and said, Daddy, can I have some of these longer boards? I said, okay. He took two of them, and I went out there and watched him through the window, and he nailed those together and made a cross big enough for him as a four-year-old to lay on. And he lay down on that cross, on the ground, and he's looking up in heaven. I went out there, and I said, Son, what are you doing? He said, Daddy, would you tie me on this cross? I said, what for? He said, I just want you to tie me on this cross. Okay, so I go back in and get some little old rope I got, and I come out tie one arm around it, tie the other arm, tie his feet. I said, now what do you want? He said, Daddy, would you stand me up? I said, son, no. I said, that'll hurt. I said, that's going to pull on your wrist and your feet. That's going to hurt. He said, Daddy, would you please stand me up? He's four years old, a brand new Christian. I said, okay. I reached down put my hand under the bottom of his back there, and I started up with that. And I got him up at about a 45-degree angle, and his body started sliding down that thing. It started pulling on his feet and on his hands. He said, oh, Daddy, it hurts. Quick, let me down. I let him down, and I looked in his eyes, and he had tears in his eyes at four years old. He looked up at me and said, Daddy, Jesus really did love us, didn't he? Amen. Think, he was tied, and he hadn't beat, been beaten and looked like his body was unrecognizable as a human being. And he didn't have spikes as big as your fingers drove through his hands. He didn't have them driven through the top of his feet. And he was just tied with a rope. And it hurt. Can you imagine when they raised the king up and dropped that big beam and it fell three feet deep down the bottom of that hole like a fence post? And when it hit the bottom of that hole and it jerked his arms out of socket. And he looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know why he did that for you and me? To give us the keys of the kingdom. So we could live an abundant life. He gave us that to give us the keys so we could not only be saved, but we could have all of the keys. Salvation is only one key of the kingdom. And the Lord said, I give you the keys. Not just one. And just like your beautiful wife, because of the keys of the kingdom, she's healed. Amen. 
When we learn where them keys are, Esther. It's amazing what we can do with those keys by faith, isn't it, girl? Somebody said, but you know, the the miracles don't happen no more. Uh, Esther says, you got to me too late. Right, Right, Ernest? I guarantee you got to me too late. I mean, I'd hope anybody in this church, if somebody said miracles don't happen anymore, I'd hope you'd stand up and say, you got to me too late. I've seen too many wonderful things Jesus done. And I would hope you'd have testimonies of your own to tell what God has done for you. Then he says, goes on on down here a little bit further, and then he says in verse 14 of Philippians 2, this is something you have to get in your spirit. This is another one of the keys to the kingdom. Verse 14, do all things without murmuring or complaining. Now, if you murmur and complain about things, that's going to take away from your power with God and He's not going to answer your prayer when you pray. Do you want your prayers answered? I do. So, what have I got to do when it comes to grumbling and complaining? Can't do it. But my goodness, Thurman, you don't understand. My husband, he was the hardest thing in the world to get along with today. Nothing I could do for him was right. I said, what do you want? You know, it's what am I supposed to do for him? If God was talking out of my mouth, you know what God would say? Absolutely right. That's exactly, whoever said that, that's exactly right. Love him. Is that, is that what God told you women to do to your husbands? Love them. Now, it's when they're not really very easy to get along with. It ain't real easy to do that. But he didn't say it would be easy. He told you to love them. And for the wives, God told the husbands the same thing. When your wife's having a bad day, he says, love her. And if there ain't nothing you can do is right, then go, do, go somewhere and do something else. You know, you know, take on for a couple of hours. You know. And then when you come back, bring her a flower. Or when you walk in the door, knock real gentle. And when she comes screaming in the door, look at her and say, Oh, honey, you look beautiful today. Oh, let me tell you how pretty you are. You're so sweet. I love you so much. And eventually you'll chop away. You'll win over. But it ain't easy, is it, Ernest? But we can do it. Absolutely. Do all things without murmuring or complaining. Now then, I want us to see something else here. I want to go to this one other place here in the Scriptures. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And I want to look at Matthew 6, 9. And this prayer, I want you to see something. The Lord has told us here that we've all seen this, but we really haven't got a hold of it yet. In Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So what's the Father's will? For everything to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Their only problem is in heaven there's no devil. And on earth there is a devil. And in heaven there's no flesh. And on earth we got flesh. So when you got that combination, the flesh and the devil, you got a real problem. So how much praying is it going to take to get things to be done in earth as it is in heaven? It's going to take a whole bunch. It's going to take a whole bunch of praying, and not only is it going to take a whole bunch of praying, it's going to have you're going to have to learn these keys of the kingdom, and you're going to have to get a hold of them. 
Now then, we've got just a few minutes left, and I want to go to Matthew 4, and I want you to think about this. Everybody I've asked this question this week has missed it. I've not asked this question to a single human being that's got the right answer. So we're going to see what y'all come up with. So y'all will know where I'm coming from, right, Keith? I know there's no, you're going to know not to answer, right? <laughs> Keith said, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> that way you can't be wrong. You can't be wrong if you don't answer. But I want you to think about this. Matthew 4, 23. And more, Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Now, what's he doing? Preaching. Teaching and preaching. He's teaching and preaching. So you can be a teacher and a preacher. Amen. You can preach and teach the Word of God. But he says he's teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel? That's my question. What is the gospel? What is it? Okay, Ty says the kingdom of God is hand. Anybody else? What is the gospel of the kingdom? Huh? Okay. You know what? You know, I have answered this question myself a million times and been wrong every time. Somebody comes to me and says, what's the gospel? You know what I always said? Well, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard anybody say that? The gospel, the good news, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ good news? Yes, it is. But was that what Jesus was preaching? No. No. Did he preach any, in his three and a half years as a preacher, did he ever preach to anybody that I'm going to die on the cross for you and rise again the third day? Did he preach that? No. He didn't preach that at all. In fact, right near the end, just before he went to the cross, he told his own disciples, and he said, don't tell nobody. So he definitely wasn't preaching it, was he? So if he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, what was he preaching? What? That's one of them. Love, repent. Y'all are getting there. All these good things. Y'all are getting there. How to live in the kingdom. That's right. How to operate in kingdom things. How to operate in the keys of the kingdom. Think about this. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. And look what he says right after he says that in the gospel of the kingdom. And after he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, then what's he doing? What's he doing? Healing what? Healing who? Healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Is there supposed to be anybody sick in the kingdom? No. Think about this. In Matthew eight seventeen, Jesus said, Himself, Jesus, bore your sickness and removed your disease. If Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease, then if you've got every one of your sins repented of and you're still sick, why are you still sick? You're sick for the same reason I was sick all those years I was sick. Because I didn't know that healing belonged to me, but it was a demon from hell that was putting it on me, and I had to take it away from him by force with the Word of God. Do you know sickness and disease is a war that we have to overcome with the Word of God? 
Did you know on the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus healed every human being just like He saved every human being? Just like that little word sozo right up there. That word S-O-Z-O means saved, healed, made whole, delivered, and preserved. And every one of those five things was given to you on the cross 2,000 years ago. Well, why was I sick so long? Why did I have all the problems I had for all those years? Because I didn't know the truth. When I finally got a hold of the truth 20 years ago, and I said, Lord, I don't understand. If I understand what I've been reading tonight in the hours I spent, not only did you save me on the cross, you healed me on the cross, you delivered me on the cross, you made me whole on the cross, and you preserved me on the cross, then why in the world have I been sick so much since that time? And the Lord spoke to me. The king said, Because you have never received me as your healer by faith in my word. That night, I received the king as my healer. And then I began to go and say, Praise God! You're looking at a man that received Jesus as his healer, and I will never be sick again a day in my life. And guess what? I've not had any, no sickness, no disease. Amen. I've had the devil attack me in a few places. But I've been able to overcome him with the Word. With the Word. When that devil comes against you to try to kill you, and he will, even as an obedient child of God, going to church, tithing, serving God, the devil will still come upon you and put symptoms upon you. He'll put things upon you that if you look at them, if you look at them, you'll panic. And when you panic, you've sinned. You've stepped out. Of the gospel of the kingdom. You stepped out of the power. Now I'm going to show you in the final moments this afternoon. I'm going to show you from the scripture some things that Jesus says that will absolutely. If you can grasp these, you're more of a Christian than I. I have not been able to fully comprehend what I'm going to read to you in the next few minutes. If you can get it, you're further along than I am. But to start off with, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I want you to just see what the Word says. And I've read this verse a thousand times. And every time I read it, I think, God, if that means what it says, there's not anybody in the church today living where we should be living. Not one single person. If this means what it says. Maybe I misinterpret it. But I'm a man that tries to read the Word of God just exactly like it's written. I don't try to stretch it. I don't try to make it say something it's not saying. I'm just telling you, maybe it says something different to you. But I'm going to read one verse to you in 2 Timothy 1.10. I want you to think about this. But is now... When? Now. Okay, does now mean right now? But is now made manifest. What does that mean? It's here. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Did our Savior appear? Yes, yes He did. Was He here for 33 years? Yes, sir. yes, He was. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Who has abolished death. Now wait a minute. I mean if you abolish death. 
If it's already been abolished, then why do people still die? I don't know. Good question, huh? I want you to meditate on this. Who hath, that means already, abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Is that a mouthful? Is that really a mouthful, Ernest? Yes, that's almost more than you can chew on. Now, that's a good piece of this T-bone steak I'm talking to you about. That a, is that a T-bone steak, Ruthie? Can you chew on that and go? That'll take some chewing, won't it? I'm telling you, we better... I got a feeling that one's going to be tough to chew on, too. It ain't going to dissolve quickly. It's not going to be some of that good prime beef. It's going to be one of them old range cows that run out there on the range. And it's going to be tough. And when you start chewing on it, it may even get bigger. But is now made manifest. Think about this now. This is not scripturology. This is the Word of God. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying. I'm not quoting it. That's why I had you read it out of your Bible. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has already abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So should Christians be sick? Should they talk about death? Why, should, why do we talk about dying? Somebody says, oh my goodness, I hope I live to be 50. Well, I mean, according to this, death has been, been destroyed, been abolished. So why am I even going to talk about dying? Why don't we talk about living? Why don't we talk about life? Somebody says, how old are you? You say, well, I'm only 120 years young. Like a while ago, Sharon, I got tickled to her. I was over there. She was standing there. I said, how old are you today, girl? She said, I'm 102. I said, praise God, you sure look good to be 102, girl. Well, now see, that's the way she should look at 102. Amen. When she gets a hold of this, death has already been abolished. If death is brought by by sin, then what does that say about the church? When one of us in the church dies at 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years old, what does that say to us? Something wrong with this picture, isn't it? Okay, let's go a couple more places. The Word of God says, Let everything be confirmed out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. So this is one place. Maybe we misunderstand this. But I read it clear. It says He's already abolished death. And He's brought forth immortality to light through the Gospel. Now, what if you don't study the Gospel? What if you don't know what it says? You won't know. That's exactly right. If you, as a young Christian, Susan, hadn't have known just a little bit of the Word of God, you know that this boy could be dead today. You all know that, don't you, brother? But because of the little bit of faith you all had back in those days, and just a little, and you said, I heard you say a while ago, you were a new Christian. But with the little bit you all knew, you stood on it, and that boy's a, look at that boy. I mean, he's a healthy chunk of boy. Praise God. Oh, good looking young boy there. A young boy that God can use mightily for the kingdom. Was the devil of hell trying to kill that little boy ten years ago? Yes, he was. That wasn't God trying to kill him. That was the devil. 
Although they probably didn't know nothing about the devil, they knew just enough about God's Word to overcome the forces of darkness and get that boy pulled through. For today, he's a beautiful, healthy young boy that can do great things for the kingdom of God. Now then, let's go back to the book of John. Let's go to John 8. We're going to look to see some of these mighty things the king has said here that are just a little... The Pharisees and Sadducees had a little trouble chewing on this too. Well, let's go to John chapter 8. In verse 45, in verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Does Jesus always tell us the truth? Amen. He can't lie, can he? But he says right here, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Verse 46, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. Now this is really beginning to put us in a place here to think about. This answered the Jews and said unto him in verse 48, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and you have a devil? They think Jesus has got a demon. So Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and you do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory, there is one that seeketh and judges. Truly, truly, I say unto you, if a man keeps my sayings, he shall never see death. Now, chew on that piece of T-bone for a little while. That's got a whole lot of bone in that one. Now then, can you believe that? Are you going to believe like the Pharisees and Sadducees? Do you believe that it's possible for us to live on and have a, be old and, and still be young and vibrant? And one day when the Lord gets through with you, instead of you seeing death, He'll just translate you out of this and bring you to heaven. Can you go there? Yes, amen. Praise God. I'm with whoever said that back there too. I'm beginning to chew on this T-bone steak. I mean, when I begin to chew on this T-bone steak and begin to see people get healed and cast out demons and things like this, I thought, wow, this milk stuff wasn't very good. But this, this maybe it wasn't quite T-bone yet, but it's some kind of meat. And I'm beginning to see God do some awesome miracles. I said, man, I love this meat stuff. It's good, isn't it, Bob? When you start chewing on that meat, you lay hands on your wife and get her healed. It's like he said, Ruthie said, every time he prays for me, I get healed almost instantly. Well, praise God, that's the way it should be. He's learning how to chew on that T-bone steak. And it's good. But look what the king says in verse 51. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, if a man keeps my sayings, he shall never see death. What is the king's sayings? Evidently, we don't know what they are. What is his commandment? What is His commandment? Somebody tell me what God's only commandment is today to the church. Love who? Love God first, and then your neighbor as yourself. 
Now then, he says, all of the law and the prophets are fulfilled in this one thing that you love. Now, who do you know that's ever met that requirement in the church? You know one single human being that you know that's walked ever, ever, that's walked in complete, total love. You know one? Only Jesus. I ain't never met a human being that's walked in love 100% of the time. Have you? Huh? Enoch and Elijah must have been close. Yeah, but those guys are not guys that we've been associated with. It says Enoch pleased God for 350 years and God translated him out and he was no more because he, God, he pleased God. Now that if you please God, you walk in total obedience to His Word, you'll be just like Enoch. Enoch didn't die. He was strong and vibrant, 350 years old. And he says, one day God says, oh, come on, Enoch, you're so good. I don't want you down here in earth. I just want you in heaven with me. And he just translated him right out here to heaven. And Enoch did not see death. But he done what God says. Now, do you, you think it is important when the Lord told you and me to walk in love? You think it was important? Well, it's only important if you want to live a long time and have no sickness and disease. Now, it's a choice each one of us make. Now, I mean, these last two pieces of T-bone steaks are pretty tough chewing stuff. Let's go over a few more chapters to John 11. John 11. Go to 11, verse 25. But before we read that, I want to stop go back up here talking about uh, Lazarus. Verse 21, let's start at verse 21. And this is where our faith is today. We're right there with her. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now see, she believed he could heal her. She believed he could, Jesus could heal. But see, that's where we are. Most of us in the church today, unfortunately, don't even believe Jesus heals anymore. We don't believe it. We don't know it's already done. If we did, if we knew that Jesus healed every one of us on the cross, man, you'd go out of here today with a word of God as a ball of fire, and you say, praise God, if He healed me on the cross, you devil of hell, if Jesus has already given this to me as a free gift, you ain't going to make me sick no more, I guarantee. Just like whenever Esther, when she repented of her sin, and she had one she shared with me, I won't share it with you, she might not want you to know what it was. But anyway, she repented of her sin of 15 years that brought that thing on 15 years before. And she hit it right here. She learned about it. And she repented. We prayed for her in a matter... How many days was it? About a week. A tumor she had had for 15 years went away. Now see, that sin that she had back yonder allowed the devil to come in and put that tumor on her. And he was bringing forth death in that sin. And he would have killed her. In fact, she told me either a relative or a friend or something that had the same problem back yonder, and she went to the doctor to have hers removed, and she died. See? What is it brings forth death? Sin. sin. So stop sinning, right? Is unbelief sin? Yes, one of the worst. But look what he says, what Martha. Then Jesus said unto her after she... Uh, but, but, oh, verse 22, but I, now, but I know that even now... Whatsoever you shall ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said unto her, Your brother shall rise again. Now see, she just said, I know whatever God's going to do, He's going to do it for you. 
Did she believe that? No. She didn't believe that. Because Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again. Well, Jesus is answering her. In other words, I'm fixing to raise him from the dead. Look what she said. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Why in the world can we as a church believe that a thousand or five thousand years from now, God can take what's left of a decayed body and put it back together and raise it from the dead at the end of five thousand years, but He can't do it today. Just because the body's been dead a week or a month. He can't do it. Oh, okay, but God can raise Him from the dead. But... If we plant him in that ground, it's all over. No, 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 no. You can plant him in the ground. and you, Now, wait a minute, Thurman. You know God wouldn't raise him from the dead in that casket in the ground. He'd suffocate. <laughs> Where is your faith? Let me tell you, if God raised him from the dead and he'd been dead and in that casket for two months, and if God raised him from the dead when he woke up down there, He'd look up, he'd sit right up in that dirt, and an angel reached down and pick him, pull him right up there, set him right out on top, and say, Now then, here you are. Now, can you go there? Can you have that kind of faith? I mean, what did God, what did the Word of God say he can do? I mean, is anything hard for the king, Ernest? I mean, ain't nothing hard for the king. Stop thinking like man and start thinking like God. Look at this, look at this, let's read on here. She has faith to believe that he can be raised at the last day, but she don't have faith to believe that he can be raised right now. He's only been dead four days. But Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Let me tell you what, that's just another chunk of T-bone steak to chew on right there. That's going a little beyond the normal things. Well, let's go out and get the sick guy healed. Now, we're going to get him healed, but we know he's going to die again. Is that that what we think? That's where we live. Well, I mean, but Thurman, he's 70 years old. It's time to die. No, no, 70 years old was the length of under the law. Under the New Covenant, we don't have any requirements of how long. There is not anything under the New Covenant that says how long you should live. The Lord says that under the New Covenant, if we walk in life, He says you shall never die. How do you like the New Covenant? It's got something to think about, doesn't it? It's got a... I mean, He has already... Not like I'm saying. I read 2 Timothy 1.10 over... And over and over and over for years. And I think, God, if you mean what you say, you've already abolished death. So then why are all these Christians dying all the time? You know why we die? Well, I hope I live to be 70. I know I'm going to die someday. Oh, I know God promised me 70 years, so I'm going to do my best to make it to 70. If I make it to 70, I'll be happy. So you make it to 70 and you die. Well, how about, let's just tell him, Lord, I want to, I mean, well, let's stand on them promises even under the Old Covenant. Think of what he said under the Old Covenant. If you will be obedient and make me the Most High God your dwelling place, no sickness and no disease will come near your house. Don't you like that? That's good. And that's under the law. That's good. 
So now he says under the new covenant, if you walk in love, you don't never have to die. And he didn't say you had to be sick. Because the other day when I was laying there in that bed with my foot elevated, when that devil attacked me and put all that red uh, stuff on my leg, I mean, today my leg looks like a brand new one. I mean, it's perfect today. No swelling, nothing. But the other day when I was laying there on that bed, after Ty had been over to me, Thurman, this could lead to death. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean... <laughs> He said it's life-threatening. That's what he said. Well, I mean, life-threatening beats death. But see, he's a doctor. You know what do you expect from a doctor? I mean, these guys have been trained. He's doing his best to walk in faith. He's trying. I will have to I'm say. To you. <laughs> You're still alive. Praise <laughs> well, God, I'm still alive. Amen. Be careful what you say. Amen. He is a man of great faith. I will say that. And, and he mixed my, his faith with mine. But I will say, he is a man of great faith. But still, it's not uncommon for us. You listen to us talk. You listen to the average Christian talk. Well, how are you feeling today? Oh, goodness, you know. Oh, I mean, well, I got allergies. You know, it's that time of year, though. Now that we're talking about allergies, Sharon had allergies for how many years, Sharon? Forever. And then when you finally got a hold of this, you drove that devil away, and now you're walking with no allergies, right, girl? I didn't want to pay for the flow You want what? The $76 a month. Oh. Praise God. That saved you some serious money, didn't it, girl? Wow. Just Does God want you to spend money for nasal spray? No. He doesn't. Then why in the world do we do it? Because let me tell you, there's a devil out there that's putting that on us that we don't know about. And when we start walking in faith, just like Sharon did. Now, Sharon, she was a basket case when she come to me the first time. I mean, brain tumors, you know, allergies, arm going out, hip going out, back pains for 30 years. I mean, she had it, didn't you, Sharon? I mean, she was a basket case. And so we came up and prayed for her. First off, about her back, because that's all I knew about. And God instantly healed her back. Amen. Wow, after she saw that, she said, man, I can get rid of all these other things. <laughs> so she began to fight the fight of faith. And sure enough, today, I don't guess you have a single thing wrong with you now, do you, Sharon? I mean, you're perfectly, almost perfect. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. But see, that's the way we're supposed to be. When we learn to pray in faith, I don't care what that little girl or little boy, what it was, drinks. I mean, you take the Word of God and you quote the Word to the king, right, girl? And the king answered your prayer, didn't he? Woo! And that little, was it a little girl or a little boy? It was a little girl. Little girl. A little girl that could have died because of somebody that knows the keys to the kingdom. He went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. What were the keys of the kingdom? Think about this. Now, I want you to think about what was the key that God gave us in the Garden of Eden? Whenever He made man and woman, what did He say belonged to us? What? Everything. He made us the gods of this world and gave us dominion over everything on this earth. Did He not? Now take dominion over everything. It's all yours. 
And we had it for a little while, and then we gave it away to the beast. But then 4,000 years later, the king came and got it away from the beast. And then he turned back and told us what the kingdom is supposed to be like. One of the keys of the kingdom. And Mark 4. They come and said, Master, do you not care that the ship's sinking? The waves are coming over the top. What was Jesus doing? Was he sitting up in the front sweating, worrying? No, he was asleep on a pillow. He knew what the keys of the kingdom were. He knew he had power and authority over the devil. So he got up and he says, Peace, be still. Rebuke the winds and the waves. And it was immediate quiet. And then he turned to him and says, Where's your faith? How is it that you have no faith? This is the key to the kingdom. So when a storm comes by your house and you're walking in obedience and you're a son of God, why do you run for cover go to the cellar? You don't believe the keys of the kingdom. This is a little bit more than milk to chew on. These chunks of stuff don't go down without chewing on them. Milk runs right down with no problem. But when you start chewing on the meat of the Word, when you learn who you are and what you can do as a son or a daughter of God, you will realize that He has given you all power and all dominion and all authority back today even greater than He gave it to us in the garden in the beginning. Everything's yours. And He said, if you walk in love and you do what I say from day one, you teach your children to walk in love from day one. You lead them to Christ right off the bat. Get them Christians time they're three, four, or five years old and teach them the principles of the kingdom. Walk in love. How old can they live to be, Sherry? Forever. No death. Isn't that amazing? Wait a minute, you got a statement to make. Let me get the mic so everybody can hear you. This is, this is meat. Paul says, this is the meat I have for you to chew on. I'm just thinking that... Um, um, Adam was made of this this earth, but it wasn't until Jesus came that we were a new creation. But really, we have the blood of God. Amen. Now, he Adam didn't have that. Oh, I know. We have greater things than Adam had. So we're we're such a new creation. We just hadn't. Uh, you have to think about that. No. Realize that's what we are. Just think. Think of the men and women. The few men and women, I can give you a couple of examples. For instance, Smith Wigglesworth was a man that learned these principles of the kingdom. And he could be in a rail car. He could be anywhere. And he could, somebody could be sick. I read a story one time about him that where he was on the way to some place to preach and there was a woman with her daughter got on the, in there and said she was in excruciating pain. And he went over there and said, ma'am, what's your problem? And she said, I'm going to London to have my leg amputated. He said, gee, have your leg amputated? She said, yes, and I have all this medicine that I've been taking, but it's not working, so they're going to have to amputate my leg. He said, ma'am, i got some medicine that never fails. And he said, I guarantee it'll heal you. She said, what is it? He said, God's Word. Amen. And so he opened his Bible and began to read her some of these promises. He said, now then, I'm going to rebuke that devil and he's going to leave you and you're going to be healed. 
And he reached over and laid his hands on that woman's leg and rebuked the devil and prayed the prayer of faith for her. And it said right in front of her eyes, her leg was made completely well. And she got up and walked off at the other end on two good legs. He said, now then, that's all you need to do is get in the Word and study about Amen. Jesus. So right. What is the answer for you and me today? Get in the Word and study about Jesus. If all these mighty promises are already belong to us, the church, that's some heavy meat to chew on. Yes, but I didn't say this. This is not something I dreamed up today. I read these to you right out of the Word of God. Amen. Now, can you believe that? That's the only problem. I wanted to teach these things to people five years ago. Ten years ago. But I was having so much trouble teaching people how to get healed. I thought, Lord, they ain't ready for this. And then when I started trying to teach people after I got a few healed, I thought, let me teach you how to walk in divine health. And I had some laugh at me. I said, Thurman, it's impossible. You can't, nobody can walk in divine health. Everybody's going to be sick. Well, if that's the way you believe, guess what? That's what's going to happen to you. If you believe you've been given all this power and all this dominion and all this authority, then you can do what Ty did the other day. I'll tell something good on him. I'll tell some bad things on him. But the other day when he's out working with his cattle and he's feeding, putting that feed in the maugers, and he's got a long, loose shirt on that's not tied, not buttoned, and he reaches over and that auger grabs that shirt and drag, jerks his arm down in that auger, he looks up and he sees his hand and everything going into that auger, tearing his hand in them gloves all to pieces. He screamed, Jesus, help me. Is that one of the keys of the kingdom? And he said he reached up and he felt two big hands come around him right there and jerk him out of that auger. Now see, you said the right thing there, didn't you, Ty? Now see, that's a key. Is the name of Jesus a key to the kingdom? Yes, sir. That's one of the big keys. I mean, that's another one, great big. That's right behind the one of love. You walk in that main entryway into heaven, maybe, maybe the name of Jesus is right there beside it. All it's awful strong. In the name of Jesus, what can we do in the name of Jesus? All things. Well, if we really believe that, then we got to realize if Jesus has already done it. And if you got any kind of sickness and disease, you just need to say, Lord, I repent for my unbelief. I'm driving this devil out, and I'm going to be healed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I'm going to live to be as old as I want to be, and as healthy as I want to be. And one day when I'm satisfied, I'll tell you, and you can take me home. Did he say he would satisfy you with long life? Amen. But let me tell you, it's going to be a war. I can guarantee it's going to be a battle. Taking away from the devil what's right for the years is a war. It's not if Jesus is going to heal you. The king has already healed every human being on the earth just like he already saved every human being on the earth. But just think. Probably 95% of the people on the earth today or maybe more is dying and going to hell. Every one of them that die. Because they don't know that Jesus is the Savior. And you know the reason they don't know? Is because you and I, the church, don't tell them. We're afraid we'll offend them. That woman come down one day to make uh, join the church, and I said, "Ma'am, you're married." "Yes, I am." I said, "Well, what's your address?" And I'll come talk to your husband. Oh, she said, "Don't you dare come talk to him." 
She said, you'll drive him further away. I said, ma'am, he ain't here today. He can't get no further away. <laughs> He's already lost and headed to hell. I said, all I can do is pray and kick that devil out of him. I'd get him saved. Man. See? And when you know that you have a key to the kingdom and all power is given to you over the devil and the devil has to be subject to you, that is a mighty key in the kingdom. Amen. Did Jesus give us these keys? Yes, yes they're ours. Use them. Don't go begging. Oh, God, please, if it be your will, will you heal me? He says, no. I've already done it. Amen. Get up off your face. It's like he told Joshua. There's sin in the camp. Get that sin out Amen. and then go out there and I'll go with you. And so when you do that, you can get any kind of a miracle from God you want. He'll answer your prayers. He'll do whatever because you're His child. That's why He's already healed you. That's why He's already given you this power. That's why He has already abolished death and brought immortality here. I don't know about you, but if death has been abolished and immortality is here now, I don't think I'm going to die for a long time, do you? I don't know about you. You can not believe these things if you want to. You can go away from here today saying, Thurman is crazy. Well, all you got to do is say, if Thurman's crazy, you're going to have to say, Jesus is crazy because everything I said to you come right out of this book. Didn't it, Ernest? Yes, sir. Isn't that was everything I said there in your Bible too? Well, can you believe that? Amen. If you can believe it, if you can believe it, there's not a person in here today can't be healed. That's when that day that I took all them people and Jesus told me, he said, Bring everybody that's got pain up here today, and I'm going to heal every one of them. There must have been 20 or 25 people come forward that day, and we put them through here, and I just let them stand there, and I said, just, I'm just laying in the hands of Jesus. Who's the healer? Me or Jesus? Jesus. Oh, okay, so it's Jesus. I said, I'm just laying in the hands of Jesus. I said, relax. And I'm just laying in the hands of Jesus. And it was 20 or 25 people standing in a line that day, and it took two full hours, and everybody that was here that day got healed. Amen. Everybody got healed. What a day! Amen. And I used to say, boy, I've got a half a dozen healed this year. Can't get no better than that, Keith. And then 25 get healed in two hours. Woo! Can it get better than that? Yes. The principles of the kingdom that Smith Wigglesworth learned, and when he went back to Sweden, they had made a law because he was the only man I've ever heard of that went through a hospital and anointed people with oil, and everybody he touched got healed. He cleaned out a hospital in Sweden. Yeah. And so since he cleaned it out, somebody told him, said, if you're such a great man of faith, why don't you go up to that hospital and get them all healed? He said, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so he takes his bottle of oil and goes up there and anoints oil. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And people started getting up putting their clothes up. And guess what? The doctors and the lawyers came against him and made a law that you can't anoint with oil in Sweden. And it's still on the books today. Why? Because of Smith Wigglesworth. So he goes back over there later to preach, and he got 20,000 people out there in an audience. And the preacher, he said, tomorrow we're going to have a healing service. They said, now wait a minute, Smith. You know that if you touch anybody with all, they're going to lock you up in jail. He said, oh, the Jesus I serve. He don't need my hands. He said, you bring your own hands with you tomorrow and your own bottle of oil. And so Smith Wigglesworth stood up there and preached for a couple of hours. He said, okay, now then everybody that's sick, anybody's got a problem. You brought your oil. They held up their oil. He said, you poured in your hand and you anointed on your sick spot. And when I pray the prayer of faith for you, everybody here is going to be healed. And he prayed the prayer of faith and 20,000 people were healed standing out there in that front. Amen. I mean, is that where we're supposed to be walking? Amen. 
That's what you and me with the keys to the kingdom are supposed to be doing. And he had found them. And when he spoke in faith, it happened because he walked in the God kind of love. If it don't work for us, guess what? We're not in that God kind of love. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in that God kind of love. And when I walk in, when I step into that realm of God kind of love, then I know when I ask the king for anything, he's going to do it. And that's my desire to walk there. And it's yours, Bob. I love it when your bride tells me anytime my husband prays for me, I instantly get healed. That's the way it should be for every man and every family. You love it too. Praise God. You save a lot of money taking it to the doctor, don't you, Bob? Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you and thank you for this sirloin steak and this T-bone we've chewed on today. Help us to digest these words, Lord. You made them. You told us to walk in love, and you told us all these mighty promises today. Help us to walk in them, Father. Help us to go forth as we walk in love, and let us be a demonstration of your Spirit's power to other people as we pray for them and see them healed. And see people set free. See their lives changed as we walk in this, Lord. We give you all the praise and the glory because we know you're the one that does it. We have to be the ones that walk in your kind of love. We have to be the the ones that walk in faith. We have to say your word. But if we've met your criteria of walking in love and faith and doing what you say, then there's nothing to limit your spirit's power. And you will move even to heal the sick. Cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, and even raise the dead. And Lord, we know with you it's no more difficult for you to raise the dead than it is to heal the sick. And Lord, we want to see you glorified in this little group of people. We want to see you glorified as we walk in divine health. We have these great and awesome testimonies that we have, we pray, like these many we've had today, these wonderful testimonies of healing for people. Lord, I thank you for all of these people that had these testimonies today. And I pray, Lord, that the rest of us will have some in the weeks that come. Lord, bless us now as we go forth here today and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.